0: Listening to Living Faith, the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. This is our evening message from Sunday, May seventh, twenty seventeen. Well, we had officially come to a conclusion of our eighteen words, and uh, last Sunday night, uh, Pastor Matt continued on with the nineteenth word, worship. So let's just do a twentieth word. Tonight's message is a, an overflow of, of study and different things that I have been preparing uh, for the context of our shepherding group. Uh, shepherding group is a, a time that I meet once a month with men of the church, whether um, all walks of life, whoever. Uh, it's just kind of a men's men's group, and we meet the first Sunday, early morning, on Sunday morning from 8 to 9.30, we try to have a topic, follow a book, or something that that we're looking at and and studying throughout the week. The goal is, and something like that, me not just lecturing, even though I think preaching and teaching the Word of God is so important and sitting under the Word. Uh, I love teaching and and preaching and sharing, um, but uh, we we have a topic that we look at and we study, and then the idea is when we gather and meet on Saturday morning, then we're discussing that topic. We've been going through a book by Howard Hendricks, who is... uh, He came out of Dallas Theological Seminary. I don't know if you're familiar with that seminary. It's a great evangelical uh, seminary uh, located in Texas. And uh, he wrote a book uh, simply entitled Living by the Word, Living the Word, Living by the Book. Uh, And uh, so we've been looking at that. And so we got this week to the idea of interpretation. So I've got a lot of information to share. And so listen attentively. Uh, If you look like you're listening, I talk faster. If you don't look like you're listening, I slow down and we're here longer. So uh, look attentive uh, and um, uh, I want us to consider that. Now, some of us live in a bubble. Maybe we've grown up in church all our life and we don't realize that there are a lot of odd, crazy things going on. You know, we're, we're in our church world and we don't know these things and we've had You know, we just in our bubble, in our evangelical bubble, and we don't know the world that we live in. Uh, I can remember being a a college student studying to be a pastor, and somebody shared with me what a pastor had said at a church uh, in Alabama. It has nothing to do with it being in Alabama. That might could have something to do with it. So if you're from Alabama, you might get that. But it was a church in Alabama, strong Baptist heritage for many years but obviously it had lost its way. And so this would have been maybe 20 years ago and it was shared with me that the pastor stood up in the congr- and was preaching and they had visited this church for some reason and they were sitting in there and the pastor made the comment that a lot of what is written in Genesis didn't happen and that even though it may say that there was a flood and that they said this happened they didn't happen. They're just kind of pictures of things and there wasn't a flood, there wasn't an R, but it was, it was God's way of trying to help us. Well, you might, you might could listen to that and not be aware of what that turns into and think, well, okay, but what does that say? You know, and you ask yourself, how can a preacher have the same Bible and say that God, that didn't happen? Well... That is happening in our world today. You know, I shared a story uh, along those lines of another church that has just gotten way off track in another state. And so it really boils down to if we read the Bible and we see what the Bible says, why is it that certain people can read the Bible and interpret one thing and other people can read the Bible and interpret another thing? Uh, Interpretation... The word interpretation when it comes to scripture basically means what does the Bible say? And there's a world that we live in, you may not be aware of it, we have really gotten off track when it comes to that. Just because church is across the door doesn't mean it's a church. Uh, One of the signs of a true church to me biblically is rightly dividing the word of truth. So I want to talk real quick and then I want us to, to, to look at many things. I sit down, and I, I do this often. I'll sit down, and off the top of my head, I'll make a list, and so this this afternoon as I got home, I was thinking about when it comes to interpretation, when it comes to knowing truth, when it comes to defending the truth, when it comes to, to topics that are important, what are some things that I need to remember, you know, what are some things, you know, think about it from this context, as a pastor, and I'm, I'm leading a new member class, and, and um You know, it's exciting when you have uh, 15 people sign up for a new member class. That's exciting, amen? And so uh, not everybody was able to attend, but 15 signed up. We know where they are. They'll be at the next round. But I I was overwhelmed by sitting there last week. I taught part of it. Matt taught part of it, and I finished up this Sunday. Brand new Christians, new to the faith, new to the Bible. And I thought, that's a responsibility. God has brought them into our church as babes in Christ. What an awesome responsibility to begin to teach them and to lead them and how they can grow and change into the likeness of Christ. So when it comes to Scripture, it is something that we need to be very serious about and concerned about, uh, but in a positive way. So I made this list of things that I think that we all need to consider as we begin to dive into interpretation and understanding what the Bible says and yet also understanding that not everybody believes the same way. Number one, you can just write this down. I can make it available later. Uh, One, we have to be to a point in our life that we love and are excited about truth. You know, when I think about the Bible, I'm very excited that I can say This is absolute truth. Now the word absolute means it is absolutely true. Uh, If someone says that there was not really a flood, that that just says a flood, but it doesn't really mean a flood, and it could mean something different to you, and it can mean something different to me, and it can mean something different to you, and that's okay, and it can mean something different to me, and that's okay. That's not absolute truth. You know, if we're in a, sitting in a class and someone says, and I always use this example, if someone says, well, I took ninth grade math and 2 plus 2 was 4, okay, and then I went to 10th grade and my teacher said 2 plus 2 is 5, who's right? So there has to be an absolute standard. When we talk about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, there has to be a right. And so we have to love knowing there's a right we have to be excited to know that God has preserved His Word, and we're excited that I can know aright, and that I can believe aright, and I can believe and trust in a world that I trust nothing. I shared this. Isn't it funny and that you used to pick up the? I remember running out to the when I was uh, younger. I'd run and get the newspaper, and open up the newspaper and read it. And whatever was in the newspaper was true, even if it came from a different perspective. I knew it was true. Even politically, now I don't trust anything. I see something on Facebook. Oh, blah 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 blah. You know, you know, Obama. There's a twin double. Obama was cloned, and there's eight of them. And oh my good, you know, and you read crazy stuff like this. You go? I saw on Facebook. We don't believe a word you hear on Facebook unless your pastor posted. And I mean, really, I read the newspaper now, and I think, well, did that come from CNN or did it come from Fox? Did it come from CNBC or did it come from blah, blah, blah? And I just don't trust anything. I think we can be excited, but I can trust one thing, and I'm excited about that. So we have to be people that, one, we just love truth. We love that there's a truth out there that we can know. Two, we need to understand that we are lifelong learners. If I ever get to the point that I say I have it all figured out, I'm wrong. Now, I can say without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, and life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. That is an absolute truth, and I will never change that. That doesn't mean, though, that I'm not a continual, lifelong learner of opening up my heart and mind to the Word of God. Some of us, you have to admit, we got to a certain point. We graduated from Sunday school and went from this side of the street to the other side of the street, and we kind of slowed down. And we're not learning anymore. I mean, it's a a very easy habit to get into. One of the dangers that pastors have, they get out of seminary and college, they stop learning. We need to be lifelong learners. Here's what a lifelong learner is. I was just sitting there today, just randomly saying this, be teachable. Has anybody ever been wrong? You know how many times I was wrong this week? And I was told I was wrong this week by your precious church members. And I told them, How many times, ladies, did I tell y'all how sensitive I am? And I told them, I said, I am very sensitive, and y'all have just hurt my feelings. They're like, whatever. (laughs) So I have learned that I just need to be teachable at times, especially with senior adults. You have to be very teachable. When it comes to the Bible, we need to be teachable. A lifelong learner. We've never got it all figured out. We're still learning. Be wise. There's a difference between being smart and being wise. I can know what to do, but how do I apply what to do in life situations? You know, you think about marriage. Marriage is not about being right all the time, is it? Sometimes it's just about being happy. You can either be right or happy. I always tell that. It always comes out of marriage counseling. And the husband looks at me and goes, what are you talking about? You'll figure it out. Sometimes we just have to be wise and understand. When it comes to truth, I may see something very clearly, and I know it is the absolute truth. But if others don't see it, use some wisdom in teaching others to see what you see. Be humble. Do you understand this, that every truth that you understand in God's word is a gift that God has given you? Sometimes we think, well, of course I figured this out. You know, no, I had not figured anything out of my own. God has given me everything I have, and it is a gift. And I will be held accountable with that gift. So I need to remain humble. I didn't know if this was a word or not. Be attractional. Is attractional a word? Be approachable. Be attractional. You know, you can be right and be angry, and nobody wants to hear you. Or you can be right. And I I was told this when I was pastoring in Indiana. I don't believe him, but he doesn't bother me because I know what he believes, he believes, and he does it in such a way that it doesn't offend me. I took that as a compliment. The person was basically saying what you believe, I don't believe, but I kind of like being around you because I look at it this way. If I know the truth and I believe in the Holy Spirit and I believe that God's word will not return unto me void and if I've got somebody that will sit and listen to me and they say they don't agree with me, guess who's going to change their mind? Not me. Not me. God and his word will. Also, be bold. You know, we know the truth, but do you you share the truth? Be bold with what you believe. People want to see a conviction. That's what people, if you think about that, bold, convictional conviction. People, you always said, well, he's a charismatic leader. He just I've heard people say this about people. He, just, he, he walks in the room and owns the room. Well, that may be in a bad way, but, you know, you think about people. But if you really believe what you believe and you're excited about what you believe and you think about the opportunity to share what you believe and you're encouraging what you believe and you're bold with that, I think people will see, hey, there's something to that. And then under lifelong learner, be passionate. Just be excited about it. Hey, you want to come to my church? We got BBS. I don't normally go, and it's kind of goofy. But anyway, they say it's supposed to be a good thing. I like BBS. Come on to VBS. I'm going to run around and get in trouble. The workers get mad at me. Joy has fun. We all have fun. Come to BBS, And you say that over and over and over. People say, you yeah, know, there must be something that's BBS. Hey, come to preaching. You need to come to our church. Our pastor preaches almost 50 minutes every week. Is that too long? No, it's not too long. Yeah, sometimes I'm ready to get up, but you know what? For 50 minutes, he preaches the word instead of, well, it goes over sometimes. But no, be passionate about things. So I I believe in absolute truth. I'm a lifelong learner. Number three, got to move quickly. Jesus, I love this. Jesus was considered a false teacher. And all he did is share what God told him to share. Sometimes we're afraid to be the truth because somebody might disagree with us. Well, if I say that, the world may condemn me. They nailed Jesus to the cross. It was the Father's will. They nailed him to the cross because he was a heretic. They, they, he blasphemed the, the, the word of God. He blasphemed it against God and they nailed him to the cross and I'm afraid to speak the truth because somebody may be offended every apostle except the gospel every every disciple, every apostle was martyred for speaking the truth except John somebody needed to write Revelation think about that every one of them speaking the truth it's not very popular I don't want to come across kind of sarcastic or mean spirited truth does divide have you ever thought about that? You know, if I, if I'm, I go back to teachers, I, I'm married to one. How offensive is that red mark across that paper? Very offensive. Oh, it's back. I tried that when I was in high school. I've never had a D before. Well, you got one now. But I don't want that. You, you've offended. Oh, it, the truth divides if you think about Christ, whenever he was walking on water and doing miracles, people loved that. But when he started talking about the cross and suffering and all of that, it divided. So we need to understand that. Al Mohler wrote an article that is so incredibly helpful. I have posted it on my website, PastorJohnBeck.com. I have that site, and I just throw stuff out there for you. It's on topical studies. When we think about truth, and we think about things, and we think about interpretation, and we think about issues. He makes a comment that there's first level, second level, and third level issues. One is called theological triage. First level are issues which include those doctrines most central and central and essential to the Christian faith, including among those the Trinity, the deity and the humanity of Christ, justification by faith and the authority of scripture so example brother John I'm a pastor and I'd love to come speak in your pulpit well, I'm going to give them a little test. What do you believe about this? What do you believe about that? What do you believe? Where do you, where do you stand on level one things? Those are non-negotiable foundations of faith. Our level one test as a church is the Baptist faith and message, and it was adopted into our Constitution. I Supposingly, when the church, I don't know what, when the church was founded or when it was updated, but it, it, the Baptist faith, and that is our level one, non-negotiable. That is what we believe. The essentials of the faith, the deity of Christ, what is the, those are non-negotiables. You'd be surprised the number of people, so-called called Christians in our world today, that think these are negotiable. That the, There really wasn't a flood. That's non-negotiable because what does it attack? The authority of Scripture. That everybody's going to die one day and get a second chance, even if they've never heard about Jesus. That God is God of love, so everybody can go to heaven one day. That is a level one doctrine because it does away with what Christ did and propitiation and cross and what the gospel has done. So when we think about these issues, there's a level one doctrine. We need to know what those are, by the way. Anybody ever build a house on a, on a, a not solid foundation? And you think about this. We are laying a foundation that our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren, they're building upon. And if we get the foundation right, then they've got something to build upon. When this generation, when we're gone, who's behind us? Those that we're passing the torch to. And so that those things are crucial. He points out second-order issues. A good example, he uses this example, and I'll just read it. These include things that are not salvific. He said a great example is Baptists and Presbyterians. For example, they fervently disagree, and you may not understand this, but they fervently disagree on the basic understanding of Christian baptism. The practice of infant baptism is conceivable, inconceivable to the Baptist mind, while Presbyterians trace infant baptism to the most basic understanding of the covenants. And so, great example, we baptize after you make a profession of faith, by immersion. Bapt, uh, Presbyterians do not. They can stand together on first order. They're go, we're all going to be in heaven together. I don't know if that means we're going to baptize all the Presbyterians and Methodists when they get there, but we're all going to be in heaven together. But yet, standing together on the first order doctrines, Baptists and Presbyterians eagerly recognize each other as believing Christians but they recognize that disagreement on issues of this importance will prevent fellowship within the same congregation or denomination. Second level order is when you're, when I'm teaching a new member class and I'm going through something and somebody raises their hand and says, well, I believe, and I say, well, okay, that's fine, but we don't believe. Well, okay then, I still believe that. Can I come to church here and worship with you And I'll keep my little beliefs all to my little self. And I will worship here and love Jesus and love being part of this church. Absolutely. We had a lady join our church that was, I mean, she made Assembly of God Pentecostal charismatic seem kind of like low key. And she moved right next door to the church. And she said, well, I know I'm not going to the Baptist church because I'm not Baptist. I am going to hoop and holler and Pentecostal from Tennessee. And I'm going to run around and shout and stop and carry on. And she said, one day, I was having my quiet time, and the Lord said, you will go to that church, and you will pray for that pastor every day, and you will love that pastor and love that word, and you will love those people, and you're going to be Baptist whether you want to or not. Just keep your mouth shut. You'll scare them to death. And she used to tell me, I feel like I'm an electrician in a plumber's church. And she sat there and worshiped with us, and every now and then she'd slip up and raise her hand, and I said, it's okay. You might get us a little excited. And she ended up going to be with the Lord, and she loved our church even though she might have had a different background. But the key is there are certain things that we have to say based on our view and interpretation of Scripture. We really believe this is right. Based on your view and interpretation of Scripture, you got this really right. But if we don't have that kind of laid out, you've got confusion. I had a gentleman who wanted to join the church. It was King James Only. You ever met a King James Only guy? King James Only. Everything, prayed King James, spoke King James, He picked up the Lifeway literature, and it was not King James. He came to me and said, if we don't have King James, God is going to depart from this place. I said, well, we're not going to be that church. Well, i got to get out of here. I I can't help it. Is he going to heaven when he dies because he has Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Certainly. But that is a second stage, second level, uh, and and it is important. We need to be very careful, and I'll be the first one to say with, with family, extended family, I want all my family members going to church. But just going to church is not, well, at least they're going, I hate that, at least they're going somewhere. You know, they're going to the Jehovah Witness church, but at least they're going somewhere. You know, no, just don't go somewhere. Go to a good church that believes the Bible. It's going to help you grow in the faith. Well, you know, somebody would say, what if one of your family members did not want to go to a Southern Baptist church? I would be okay with that if it was a Bible-believing church that stood on the authority of Scripture and would help them grow daily into the likeness of Christ. Uh, my sister got saved at a Calvary Chapel church. Anybody familiar with Calvary Chapel? They're not Baptists. They have a little different understanding of a couple of things that may make Baptists a little nervous. You know what? She can't. She's saved and she's growing. They're a Bible-believing church. Second tier. Then we have third. Third tier stuff is just basically, you know, I think this and you think that, we can agree to disagree, but we can still worship together and it's not that big a deal. The gr- example everybody uses is the timing of the Lord's return. You know, it could be here, it could be there, it could be that. You know, if, if somebody is making a big deal out of something that shouldn't be a big deal, then they probably can't hang around. But third level stuff is just stuff we can agree to disagree with. And brothers and sisters can do that. These things are important. We need to understand and love truth. We need to be a lifelong learner. We need to consider that Jesus was persecuted for his faith, and we need to practice theological triage. The word comes from a medical term. When when you're in a battlefield and you take the the greatest care for those that are the most wounded, theological triage, number one, is what we're going to major on. We're going to major on the major. As a pastor, I may tell somebody that's not a major doctrine, but it's going to be tough for you to hang out with us and you believe that doctrine. We've had uh, the Smith family from from Indiana, and Indiana is a a strong presence of the Christian church. And in the Christian church, they do communion every Sunday. And so if somebody said, hey, I'm a believer, I love the Lord, I love the Bible, but I'm a Christian church, and, 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 you know, I want communion every Sunday. Well, we don't do communion every Sunday. Well, we need to do communion every Sunday. Well, we don't do communion every Sunday. That would be a good example uh, that someone may uh, feel that they need to leave and to go somewhere else. All right now very quickly i want us to look at five things about interpretation i will get it done look if you will to 2 timothy chapter 2 verse 15 2 timothy chapter 2 verse 15 2 timothy 2:15 2, as we keep in mind these things i am going to love truth i'm a lifelong learner jesus was persecuted Sometimes tough things are going to be in word and I'm just going to stand on those tough things and know that God's going to bless and honor. I'm looking at theological triage. I'm going to make a big deal out of the big deal things and not make a big deal out of the not big deal things. Look at 2 Timothy 2.15. I shared this with the men's group. The last letter written to Timothy, a pastor, Paul, uh, Paul pouring his life into the pastor, Timothy, Last words to him: Do your best to yourself, to God, as one approved. 2 Timothy two fifteen: Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who needs not to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, rightly handling what God has given us. That, that, that verse says a ton. That it's something we work at. It's a labor of love. You know, think about raising. How hard is it to raise children? Isn't it hard? You know, you, you know, and, and it, I don't know if it gets any easier. At least when they're little, you can just put them in the baby bed and shut the door. Now they open the door and come out. It's a labor of love, though. You know, one of the things that I will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ as a teacher, and this is the same for Sunday school teachers and those that feel a call to teach, I will stand before the Lord and give an account what I did with his word. And there are so many times it would be so easy just to say what people want to hear and not hear. You know how many times I've had to preach a message knowing that what I'm about to say next is going to rub somebody the wrong way. I have literally been in the midst of preaching and it's not like I've got this holy spirit sixth sense, but I've been preaching before and I and I have thought this this next statement is going to push these people out those doors and exactly what I thought would happen would happen and that has happened in everywhere I've ever pastored and there's a sense of you that says and somebody said and I have, I have people tell me this you're too conservative what does too conservative mean you believe the bible is too biblical and too literal you know how easy it would be to say, Well, if I don't just say that, maybe I just tone it down a little bit. And, and then I'm going to stand before the Lord. And he said, You did what? You were ashamed of my truth and you were afraid to say what I had told you to say? So we need to rightly handle the word of truth. So as we think about scripture and we look at what does it mean? How can I interpret scripture and handle it right? There are five quick things. One, I interpret contextually. That's a word that just simply means I look and see what's going on. One of the things that we do a very bad job of as Christians, we're Christians are terrible about it. We take a verse out of the Bible and we pull it out and we take that verse and that becomes something that we hang our theological hat on. Now, if somebody was passing by our van this week and heard some of our conversations, they would think that we were a van load of crazy people. I mean, the idea that somebody in that van slipped, slept in their bathrobe and that I knew it could be alarming. I think I just heard the pastor say that he knew that that woman slept in a bathrobe. How did he know that? That could get real ugly real quick, right? You can figure out which one did it because they're red in the face now. That could get real ugly real quick. But if you'd have heard the beginning of the conversation, somebody in their room was, was cold, hot and so she wanted them to be cool, so she cut the air real down. And because she is such a humble servant, she slept with her bathrobe because she was freezing to death. When we take scripture and we pull something out and we say, well, it says right there. Yes, it does say right there. But to interpret contextually means this. What does it say in the rest of that sentence? What does it say? It's like stepping back. What does it say in the rest of that paragraph? What does it say in the rest of that chapter? What does it say in that particular book? What does it say by that particular, you know, whether it's an epistle or a gospel? So take John's gospel. What did Jesus say in that sentence? What did Jesus talk about in that paragraph? What is Jesus talking about in that book? What is Jesus saying in the rest of the gospel? What is God saying in the rest of the Bible? And see, when you understand that, then you can understand the Bible is accurate. The Bible does not contradict itself. If it says something there, it's not saying something there and it's wrong. It fits together wonderfully. We just have to get the context right. You know, I always make fun of, 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 you know, the, the, the Facebook verses that we put on the little You know, the little clouds and Jesus coming out of the clouds with angel wings. We put the little verse on. And a lot of times the verses are good and encouraging. But sometimes it's just kind of out of context. That's not really what's going on in that section. And so we just need to be careful with that. Let scripture interpret scripture. I was doing a funeral one time and I love preachers. I love picking on preachers. I pick on myself all the time. You know that. And I was doing a, a funeral service with a preacher and we were standing there at the graveside and some of the funniest things happened at funerals. And a good, you know, I don't want to make light of it, but it's just encouraging funny things. And we were sitting at the graveside. And he goes, hey, preacher. And that's what he said, exactly like that. Hey, preacher. What's that verse in the Proverbs about ashes and ashes and dust to dust? And I went, it's not in Proverbs. Where is it? It's in that 200-year-old preaching manual that talks about funerals. and It's a poem. Okay, I thought it was in the Bible. I won't use that then. Okay. And the funeral director said, what in the world were y'all talking about? Well, nothing. But in his mind, "That's a verse in the Bible. Where's that verse at? Now, I'm not saying that preacher was wrong, but we tend to do that. What's that verse at? That verse, that's what I want it to say. Well, that's fine, but what does everything else say? Interpret the Bible, number two, literally. Seek the meaning of the human writer by interpreting according to the most apparent meaning. What is going on right there? You know, a good example could be like this morning. You know, when Jesus said son of man, what is going on right there? What did it mean son of man? We could say that it means son of man, that the man, he's human but he's also divine. Yes, but also we could say, but what it meant literally is the first time we see son of man in the gospels and then we apply son of man to Daniel, then we can jump over there to Daniel and understand that the son of man, that is is literally taking the Bible even though there was a vision that Daniel is saying. We can literally say there's a vision there that Jesus is about the coming Messiah, but it is just as literal in the gospel because it is a prophetic vision. Now, that may sound confusing, but we take literally. We take into account literary forms. You know, Revelation's a great example. One of my favorite stories is the preacher that was reading his Bible in, a, in the car and he was reading about the scorpions coming out of the abyss in Revelation so he runs inside where he used to work, true story, and he runs in there and says, Every one of y'all need to be born again. They said, why? Because the said, scorpions going to bite your head off one day. He literally took scorpions coming out of the abyss That one day big scorpions like Clash of the Titans got going to come around and start chasing us around. Well, we understand that Revelation was not written in that format. It's apocalyptic literature, so it stands for something. So we can know that it stands for something and still know that it is literal. What did the author mean? Not what we think he means. That's where we get in trouble. Well, I think this is what he means. Well, we study and we understand what he means. So when we interpret literally, we've got a grammatical, historical understanding of how everything fits together. We look at the Old Testament, we look at the New Testament, we look at the original language. And I don't, I don't say this, but just say, I, I've said this a thousand times, you do not have to go to seminary to be a pastor. I believe that with all of my heart. But if you can, you need to go. And especially this day and age where people are just Googling something, what does this mean? Well, how do we know Billy Bob isn't some crazy person sitting around making a website and writing something? And we say, well, I saw it on the Internet. Well, we have great colleges and universities and seminaries that are teaching pastors the original languages and the Hebrew and the Greek and exactly what the text is saying. And I think we need to utilize sources that help us in that way. So we're, we're interpreting things contextually. So if somebody comes up to me and says, well, I just, I don't think that's what that means. Well, I'll say, okay, well, what do you think it means? And I'll say, this is what I think it means. I'm going to interpret it contextually. I'm going to sit and look at everything that's going on from start to finish. I'm going to interpret that literally. And then we're going to look at number three, interpret practically. Here's some great questions to ask ourselves as we read scripture and we interpret scripture. What does the verse tell me about God, about life, and any human situation? What does it tell me about myself, and how does it challenge me to change? What does this truth mean in my life right now? So I'm I'm not looking for some hidden meaning. I'm not looking for something that no one else can see but me. I'm just literally taking it and I'm interpreting this scripture. Okay, I understand what's going on here. I understand the intent of the author and what's going on. What does this mean for me today? I read this quote by a gentleman. Paul always did theology. I never thought about this. Paul always did theology with the church in mind. Every one of his letters were written to the church or people in church. Paul always did theology as a pastor, never as an academic or a scholar. Hence, in the Pauline epistles, there is a continuous thread of application to his reader in which he challenges them. Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 is rich in doctrine. Rich in doctrine. Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, this is what we do with that doctrine. And so we read Scripture and say, okay, this is what this says, this is what this means, how do I apply this? That's kind of preaching and teaching. You teach Sunday school, if, you, if you've been in preaching or you preach, you're conveying truth that people can take home with them and that will change their life. It's more than just information, it is information that changes them and allows them to be more like Christ. God's Word is not only meant to be understood, it is also meant to be lived out. We believe the gospel, we live the the gospel out. So I interpret scripture based on that fact. Here's something that's really good, very helpful. Interpret scripture within the confines of community. Now think about that for a minute. We interpret scripture within community. I'll give you an example. I'm reading scripture and I come across a passage of scripture that may be a little difficult, and I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. When I first read that, I'm thinking, my goodness, well, I, I tend to believe that once we're generally converted, that we will stay as a child of God, and I cannot lose my salvation. So when I read that, I'm thinking, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Therefore, as I'm, if I'm living my, I'm working out my salvation, that I may lose something. So I take that and I, I start living that out in community. What does my pastor friend say about that? What does this Bible teacher say about that? It's kind of like one of these things. Kind of say it out loud. Say something out loud. So I begin to share that with other people, and we begin to talk about it. We begin to talk about what this means and what that means. And at the end of the day, I realize I haven't done enough word studies. Work out in salvation and trembling is you're working out something that's already in your heart. It's an agricultural term that you're sowing the soil, getting ready to harvest. You're, you're taking the soil and you're working it up so it can produce what is already there. You're not losing it working out with salvation and trembling. You're cultivating what is already there within your spirit and your heart. Well, I didn't know that. But when I began to talk to other people about it and I sought out others' resources, I began to understand it. I remember in preaching class, somebody said, You're going to be reading, if you're, if you're reading and studying, and you see a verse and you've got this great insight, and you write that great insight down, and you pick up a commentary and it's different, and another commentary, it's just different, and you're the only one that says that, odds are you're wrong. There's been a lot of people that have come before us that have studied the Word and have stood on the word, and have died for the word, and I look at it this way, I think I'm a pretty smart guy, but there are a lot of guys out there smarter than I am. You know, I I make fun of, uh, I love John MacArthur. I got like a man crush on him. I disagree with him in some issues. I would never tell him that, because I don't want to debate him with it. So I can disagree with John MacArthur on some things, and, and, and not salvific, But I can respect John MacArthur greatly. And if I reach out to people that I know love God and love Jesus and love the word and they all say one thing and I'm on an island by myself, maybe I need to step back and see what's going on. Stand on the shoulders of others by consulting them for their views and learning from their experience. Ask others for their insight. Read the writings of those who lived in former times. Notice their particular vision, stance on a particular verse. And as we do that, I'm going to read quickly, Romans 1, 11 through 12. For I long to see you, for those in Wednesday night Bible study, you remember me going through this. Notice what Paul says. I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that ye may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by mutual faith of both you and me. Paul is saying as I come and teach you and I am going to be taught as well as we mutually expound the word of God together. And as you sit in groups and you're taking Scripture and you're you're exegeting Scripture and you're you're looking at the meaning of text, it's going to be great encouragement and growth. Ephesians 3.18, Paul reminds us that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, the love of Christ. All the saints. We, We interpret Scripture in community. We live life together. We understand the word and we communicate that word. And then last, when we study the word and we're looking for the meaning of scripture, we do so prayerfully. Now, here's something to think about. Sometimes we overthink the issue. I can ask one of you something. And I know that you say, well, I know I can ask you something and you love me and you're going to tell me, you know, hey, what can I do for you? You know, and you're going to tell me what I need. Because you love me and you care for me and we're friends. Think about God. God, all I want more than anything else is to know the truth of your word. Lord, I have got a friend that is going through a tough time. And I want the wisdom and the comfort of your word to be able to take a tough situation in life. And take this verse and take this word and encourage them. Would God not answer that prayer? Could you imagine if we got up in the morning and said, Lord, I, I, I am going to study your word today and I have not been a good steward of my time as a believer and I want to begin to study your word and I want to interpret scripture and I want to know what it means and I want, I want you to give me the wisdom that I need. Lord, show me the truth of your word. Do you think God would answer that prayer? You know, Lord, uh, I'm, I'm preaching and I'm teaching and I'm seeing something in Scripture and it's not popular and I know people don't want to hear it. Lord, give me the, the wisdom to know that it's right. Lord, give me the wisdom to proclaim that it's right. Praying through the Word of God. Psalm 119, 18, Open thine mine eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of thy Lord, show me the wonderful things out of your law. It is absolute truth. I can trust your word. I can believe your word. Help me to see the truth of your word. I made this note. Saturate the hard work of study with a humble dependence on who God is. You know, I I, I have little silly things I'm always thinking about. I can study, 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 but the most important thing I want in my presence when I get up here is not my study notes, the presence of God on my sermon. That doesn't mean that I, I think that we ought to just stand up and let God take over and let the Spirit go. I think he's called us to study, to throw thyself shelf for proof, but we can study and we can study and we can study, but what we're asking God to do is, Lord, we are dependent upon you and nothing can come out of our mouth except the truth of God's Word. We do live in such, I mean, I hate to say it, but we live in crazy times. We are dealing with things now that we never would have thought we are dealing with. I mean, who would have thought uh, that this was brought up in the conference? One of the pastors said, years ago, same-sex marriage was a blip on the radar. And then the pastor said, I guarantee you more than 50% of those in attendance are struggling with it with someone in their family, isn't that a crazy? What do you do with it? You know, that's just an example of where we go. That Jesus Christ is the only way. We would have never thought years ago that that would ever be compromised. And so I look at it this way: if we stand on the truth of God's word and we want to know what it means. We don't care what somebody else tells us what it means unless it's what we need. You know, I've always said this. Don't walk out of here and say, well, I believe whatever the brother John believes. Just go to PastorJohnBeck.com and whatever he's got on there, that's what I believe. No, you believe what you believe because you know that's what you believe. Yes, I go to the John MacArthur's of the world. What does he believe? I may use that as a springboard into my studies, but then at the end of the day, I'm going to be able to say, thus saith the Lord. So we need to know what we believe, not just what somebody. So to me, the greatest thing I could do, uh, Chair and I talked about this uh, not long ago, well, years ago, but it came up not long ago. At one point when I was pastoring in Indiana, I had a couple of uh, seminary students with me that were sitting there. One of them, brilliant, class valedictorian. I mean, just the dude is just brilliant. He could go into an office and come out like 10 hours later with a dissertation written. So here he is sitting down at Southern Seminary, upper-level classes. The guy's just brilliant, and he's sitting there every Sunday morning while I'm preaching. That's accountability right there. Uh, he wasn't, you know, I didn't take for granted. Well, he just going gonna, to, you know, whatever I say, you just believe it. No, here was the honor of that. The greatest honor I had was that I had a church And he was in that church and he would study the word on his own and know what the truth was. Yes, I may agree with it. Yes, we agreed together. But he could tell you why he knew the truth. That's my goal as a pastor. Not for us just to sit there and say, well, that's what Brother John, this is, no, I want to pastor a church, that people love the Word and that we're excited that we can know. I think sometimes people don't know. I can know what the Word of God means. I gave a family member a commentary. They had never seen one before. And I gave them a Bible and a commentary. And that family member reached out to me and said, I have never grown in my understanding in the Word of God than I ever had with that simple book. And they said, all I did is take that little book of biblical teachings and read the text. And they said, you know, I have been a Christian my entire adult life. And I feel like I've just exploded in understanding the Bible. Why? Because they had tools in their place where they could see Scripture and know what that Scripture means. So we interpret contextually. We interpret literally. We interpret practically. We interpret in community. And then last, and probably to me one of the most important, that we interpret prayerfully let's stand as we close with prayer and we have a time of response Lord Jesus we thank you so much and even as we think about interpretation and doctrine and things in the world that we live in and a world that is so divided across so many fronts and even though we know that truth does divide I pray that we are not people that are looking to be divisive but we are people that are humble that are wise, that are teachable, but also bold and passionate about the truth. And so, Lord, even as we sing, the key is that we continue to turn our eyes towards you, that we turn our eyes toward the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we know that the Spirit is a gift, our salvation is a gift, the Word of God is a gift, and that with that precious gift, we can grow into your likeness. So, Lord, I pray that even as we leave here tonight, we're encouraged that we can know you and to make you known. And this we pray in Jesus' name.